Welcome to Baseball Biz. It's the special Raise Up edition. We're closing out spring training and we're just getting ready for the new season. I'm Mark Carbett, your host, and with me, of course, is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. Hey, Brandon, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Mark. How about you? Man, I'm excited. I can't believe it. You know, I keep wondering when this day was going to come, and April Fool's is almost here, so is opening day. <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, it's interesting, too, because I know now that we're looking at the race starting, their first day, opening day, with all 30 teams playing, we're not going to be able to start at home. We're, we're going to be starting in Miami with the series there. Yeah, it's really weird because it seems like they always start at home and they're always facing an AL East team because it always seems like they're either facing the Blue Jays or the Orioles and sometimes the Yankees sprinkled in there, but this year they're heading down to South Beach with the Marlins. Yeah, it's, it's kind of wacky. I, I see the other four teams in the AL East are playing one another, so... Uh, hope they have fun, but I was kind of surprised to see that as well, going down there to play the Marlins and a National League team as well. And then, oh my gosh, we don't play here right away because we also have to go to Boston immediately after that. I don't get why they're playing so many games up north this time of year. We've, we've seen them have problems. Remember a couple of years ago, they had all those games postponed because of snow because they started the year earlier. Yeah, that was that was just nuts crazy, man. I, I can't even begin to understand why they were doing that. Yeah, it seems like you'd want to play, you know, maybe more teams down south this time of year or maybe start a couple weeks later, but what do I know? I'm just a guy on a podcast. <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, I was a little concerned, too, because uh, with COVID and Miami's just been absolutely insane, crazy nuts with uh, spring break down there. I know the mayor of... Uh, Florida's been trying to keep things. I mean, Mayor of Florida, <laughs> the mayor, <laughs> he wish he was. The mayor of Miami has been having a difficult time trying to keep things tapped down. And last year with Miami, I mean, the Marlins suffered quite a bit at the beginning of the season. I would begin to wonder if they were going to be able to participate between them and the Cardinals. Yeah, I remember it was like, well, maybe a couple of weeks into the season and they lost practically their whole team. And people are like, oh, it's the Marlins. They can just cancel their season. Nobody will notice. But they ended up, you know, banding together and going on a pretty good run and going to the second round of the playoffs. And maybe it's a good thing they didn't cancel the season because they had a pretty good run. Absolutely do. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Right now, I'd like to go ahead and, and marinate, if you will, just saturate myself in the joy of that game, the last spring training game they had at Charlotte yesterday at the Rays' home spring training camp. And they were playing none other than the Atlanta Braves. I was looking forward to that game anyway because we got to see Charlie Morton. Yeah, that was really cool. I didn't... It seems like I, whenever I watch spring training games, nothing happens, and that was most evident yesterday. But it was nice to see Morton out there. I wish he was still wearing Rays blue, but he's not. He's wearing Braves blue. You know, it is what it is, and Yarbrough, he looked pretty good out there. He did indeed. I was really, really impressed with that young man. And I think probably Charlie was a little bit begrudgingly. I, I loved it because if you looked at Yarbrough and you, you saw what he did, that first inning, three up, three down, bam, bam. And so he did that first inning with only 12 pitches. Second inning, pitched another 12 pitches. 
the third inning got real interesting because, well, Braves being a National League team, they don't have a designated hitter. And even though they were playing at the Ray Spring training, they still, the National League team did not use the DH because there he was in the third inning. Yarbrough <laughs> looking at an old teammate, looking at Charlie Morton up there at the plate. And that was kind of funny. Each one of them exchanging glances, smiles. I would have thought, you know, maybe spring training, you would be kind of thinking, you know, the game's not really important. Maybe we'll throw the DH out there, but they didn't. And it's always cool to watch pitchers hit against their old teams when, you know, they're probably not really good at hitting, especially coming from an AL team. So it's always something funny to watch. Well, you know, and Charlie was such a great leader, a veteran, and a mentor mentor to everybody that the Rays had last year. I mean, we had a bunch of young pitchers, and Charlie was the seasoned veteran. And I'm sure that had to get just a little bit of anxious nervousness for Ryan when he was up there at the you know at the uh, ready to pitch against Charlie, even though. Old friends and all that. And you know that Charlie's able to look at Ryan Yarbrough and say to himself, hmm, I know what that young man's going to pitch next. I know his style. I've always thought that pitchers and catchers have an advantage at the plate. I don't always see it in results. But, <laughs> but, but their insight and be able to maybe see more than any other fielding player. Yeah, and, and also the mental side of it. You have Yarbrough, who's a younger kid, and pretty much the whole time he was here, Morton was here. So it's kind of like him going up against his mentor where Morton is probably like, sorry, kid, it, it's not personal. It's just business. It, I'm going to try and get on base. I would have loved to have seen him hit a home run, but we didn't quite see that. No, but it was interesting. And you're, you're right. I mean, that's how it looked. I mean, and the one thing that I saw with uh, Morton is he, I think, glanced and maybe half smiled to, to Yarbs as he walked up to the plate and Yarbrough actually said something, and almost sounded like, hi, Yarbs. I know that wasn't it. But he said something to Morton and had this big, you know, happy little smile like a, you know, a kid, a, a kid who's happy to see the, the uncle that they haven't seen since last Christmas. <laughs> and, uh, that was the face that he had. But it, it, was, it was a good matchup there, and you know, Morton did not embarrass himself. He made, he had contact three times while at that at-bat. He, he had a couple of fouls. And then he ended hitting one out. You know, he grabbed it low, and he hit it out to right field. And Manuel Margot, our fantastic right fielder out there, caught that ball, and that was the last out of that inning. <laughs> so it it was a really good exchange to see the two of those guys at it. Yeah, and he didn't embarrass himself like some pitchers do when they go up there. And if he did hit the home run like I wish he, he did, I think that we could have sold a shirt that said, Going yard off of yards. <laughs> that, that could have been a, a pretty good, like a fun gesture, gesture towards Yarborough. Well, man, you got you need to get the printing press going right now because I think that, <laughs> that's something. That's something that should go this year. God knows it's a. There's enough out there. Some of them are just kind of like, meh, you know. Actually, if they sell good, that's probably a bad thing for us because that means he's giving up a bunch of homers. True, 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 true. <laughs> Pardon me, we'll have to send them to the visiting team. <laughs> oh, okay, that's bad. I do want to also give kudos to Yarbs because he pitched a total of five and a third innings, and that was 60 pitches. That is approximately 12 pitches per inning. And it's also interesting because you think of that 
that's lower than the average. I think the average is somewhere around 15 pitches per inning. And, and Cash, he sees the value of that young man. He wants to stretch him out a little bit more. So even after he pit, pulled him after 60 pitches, he also put him over in the bullpen and had Yarbs pitch a, another 10 pitches just, I guess, to extend himself. So Cash obviously has a lot of sees a lot of value in him, and I think anybody who was at that game did. But even you know after Yarbs left, I always wonder when you have a premier pitcher in there, what's going to happen with the rest of the game? And you know, there was some scoring on both sides after that, and even I think the Braves took the lead for a little bit. But then, then there was the eighth inning, the bottom of the eighth. And that was a whole other story. Let's see here. What actually happened at that point? Oh, yeah. The Braves pitchers, I can't remember if it was three or four, <laughs> five they had an inning. Yeah, the Braves pitchers faced 16 batters in the eighth inning. 16. I mean, you've gone through the whole thing. I mean, your whole rotation there of, of batters almost twice. So they faced 16 batters. They had four walks. And eight hits. That's what the, what happened with those Rays pitchers. So from that, the Rays ranked up 12 runs in the bottom of the eighth. Now, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys were scratching their head and said, are we really halfway into the spring training season? Because halfway through, before the, in the first half, we can have a mercy rule. Or we can say, hey, I only want to do five or seven innings. And I am sure... That's what they were thinking at that point. Yeah, I, I know. I definitely would be thinking that, especially because, you know, as I said before, spring training games are usually pretty meaningless. Just thinking just, you know, end this pain. But as a Rays fan, it's, I didn't see it, unfortunately. I left in the sixth inning. and Oh, you're one of those. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I had to go eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's and, a good priority. And... What's really nice to see looking at the box score is something that we've harped on, it seems like, all season or all off season and a lot of last year. Only one or only maybe one or two of those runs came off of a homer. The rest of them came from playing small ball, you know, the old fashioned way, you know, runner movement, singles, doubles, stuff like that. So that's something I hope moving forward we see more i don't know how much of it we will see since most of those guys from what i saw probably won't be on the roster yeah but hopefully the the big guys took notice and saw you know maybe this old school stuff it'll work a little bit if we just try it i I hope that's indeed the case because i'm looking forward to that and i'll be curious too brandon to see with the potential deadening of the ball if it doesn't have quite as much spring to make it over the wall you know what this next season will look like for all of the teams it will be something to watch because we did talk about it a lot. You know, will how much of an adjustment will have to be made because how many of those balls, you know, that just just barely squeaked out and then maybe the first or second row just out of reach of the outfielder's glove. How many of those will become, you know, warning track shots instead? It was almost like this one player who was a fielder for the, for uh, the Braves yesterday. I don't know if he was having difficulty finding the ball in the sun and or what but he didn't have any shades on and he was right up there against the wall and he could have caught it but i think he thought it was already going to go over there but you you know you get the idea it's going to be interesting to see if the deadening of the ball are and or perhaps just a different strategy does increase 
a lot of the staying in the park, you know, making some some sharp moves there. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, man. So we've kind of ex- gone over what they have for that that game. But I was also wanting to take a little bit of a look at, from spring training, some of the results. Let's see. They still got, they still got a couple more games. I think one at Sarasota. And I, know, I can't remember what the other one is. But looking at what they had thus far, they got 11 to 15 record. You know, that's under 500, obviously. That was a little disappointing, but it is spring training. And as you pointed out, all those runs that came in the other day, most of them are guys we probably won't see this season. Yeah, and I say, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt because how many times have we seen a team that wins the Grapefruit League or Cactus League how many times have we seen them win something in the regular season? I remember a few years ago, the Rays won the, the Grapefruit League, and they didn't make the playoffs that year. I believe they were below 500 that year, actually. So who? what is that Rays team going to look like? I know you were doing some research on this, and one of the most recent reports actually came, what, from a, uh, a Rays radio blog that you were doing some homework on it. Yeah, Neil Solons, he did his Rays radio blog, and in it he had what looks like it's going to be the final roster going into the regular season. And at least on the position player side, nothing much has changed, only you know with the uh, addition of Francisco Media. He's pretty much the only new name, of course, with Zanino at catcher. Infield, you have Adamas, Prosto, Diaz, Lau, Yoshi, and Wendell. Then in the outfield, you have a Rosarina, Kiermaier, Margot, and Meadows. So not a whole lot of change in the outfield. And of course, G-Man, he'll be in the infield as well, but he's going to start on the IL. More on that in a little bit. But most of the change, of course, came from the pitching staff, which only a few familiar names really have returned. Obviously, we <laughs> it's a big change this year with pitching. The loss of Blake Snell the loss of Charlie Morton, and you know, also if you look at reliever, we lost Jose Alvarado. Yeah, we lost some some pretty, you know, key guys to our run that we had last year, and you know, they tried to replace them with Archer and uh, Rich Hill, Waka, which those guys are good pitchers, but I don't know if combined they're as good as Morton and Snell. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not. I don't know how much they're really going to rely on starting pitching nowadays. With the way they do the opener and stuff, they'll probably have to go four innings, so I don't think they're going to look for long, consistent outings from them. I think they're more going to rely heavily on the bullpen, which we can see can be really good and then also can be pretty bad at times. Yeah, I mean, that fateful sixth game in the World Series, when they brought Nick Anderson out, the guy who usually performs pretty well, kind of fell short. And, of course... Bats went silent, too. So between those two things, kind of closed the door. But the expectations from the bullpen is high. And you look at somebody like Anderson, and he usually can make a big difference. Yeah, I remember when we got Anderson, a lot of us were like, why are we trading Stanek for this guy? This guy isn't very good. And then pretty much the whole time he was here, he was arguably the best reliever in the game. And then when we get to the most important part, in the late in the playoffs in the LCS and the World Series, he kind of turned into Nick Anderson from the Marlins, so to speak, where <laughs> he, he wasn't doing so hot. Yeah, yeah, he, he suffered a bit there. 
And he suffered a bit this year, but not so much on performances, ability to perform. Yeah, he, he we're gonna not going to have him until, from what I've seen after the All-Star break, is when he can possibly return. Of course, he, had, he has an elbow injury right now, and you know that worries me because we talked about it last week. A yeah. lot of guys have elbow injuries before Tommy John's, so that will be something to watch as the season goes on, and it'll also be something to watch to see how they replace him and who will step up and fill that, that role. Well, let's talk for a moment about the pitching staff because the five-man rotation is different than last year. There's a couple guys we recognize. There's three new ones, and they're vet- all three are veterans. I mean, I don't know if they're as old as Charlie Veteran. I mean, old as Charlie Martin. Uh, but they're veterans, and one we certainly do recognize, and that's Mr. Chris Archer. But So that rotating five we're looking at, Mr. Tyler Glass now, who will be doing opening day. We're looking at Yarbs, who we've been talking to, Ryan Yarbrough. We're going to be looking at Chris Archer, Michael Waka, 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 Waka. And was it, uh, is it Chris? No, is it Rich? Rich Hill. Rich Hill, yeah, Rich Hill. So those are our starting five. And... I'm I'm curious. I know we we keep a usually a pretty strong bullpen, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Kyle Snyder and Cash do with them this year. Yeah, I'm excited too. Hopefully Castillo can build off of the success that he had late last year, and we'll give I'll give him full credit. We've we've kind of been hard on the guy pretty much as long as we've known each other and doing a show together. Yeah, we've been hard on him, critical of him, and he stepped up when it mattered most and. Also, other guys like Fairbanks, he did pretty good when it mattered most. And hopefully guys like Kittredge and Rowe coming back, he'll step up. And even the new guy who has arguably, I think, the greatest name on the roster, Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. I'm curious <laughs> to see what he'll do. Yeah, he was okay yesterday. But, uh, I'm, I'm looking for more from him as well. But I, I love that name. You're right. He should do like water bottle commercials or something around the area, like <laughs> Zephyr Hills or something, just for the name. Put his face on the side. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, there, there you go again, man. You got these great marketing ideas, so you got a, you know you got a great uh, future there in in marketing. Hey, hey, the Rays can hire me. I'm I'm perfect for them. I have these great ideas, as you can tell, and I'm cheap. So <laughs> that seems like a a win win. Well, if you're cheap, you should be perfect for the Rays. <laughs> they could probably fit you into their budget then that way. Oh, hey, gosh. I can get a good start there, and then they can trade me to another team. I mean, we, we both know. The only reason we don't have Charlie Morton <laughs> is because they weren't going to cough up another $15 million. And No. We're going to – I mean, we could go down the whole list of what people are making. I think Kiermaier right now still has the top contract on that. But you know, they're going to be you – know, they're looking at trying to find deals. I, I don't know if you remember this. I'm going to digress for a moment. But years ago – when Disney started getting away just from animation and they, they started some new movies, they would find actors who had not been on the screen for a while, but who had a big name. Nick Nolte was one of them. And he, he and some others, uh, I think that same strategy is what we know that um, Eric Neanders had to contend with. You know, I'm not saying that he he wants to do it that way, but that is the pot that he has to work with but 
The Rays have done a great job with that talent, so it's kind of hard to to say much about it. Yeah, they've done about as good as you can without winning the ultimate title, which, I mean, I give them a round of applause for, even though, I mean, you know firsthand I'm I'm fairly critical of them, and probably more than necessary, but eh. they, 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 they get it done, and that's what matters. Uh, the standards have been raised in the, the Bay Area, so to speak. Well, well, talking about that, let's see who is it. Mark Topkin wrote something the other day. I think you pointed out to me, and it had uh, it had some talk about who that team is and money that's been spent. It had some remarks from Kiermaier and also Chris Archer. Yeah, I remember a few years ago after they had a good year, they traded Dickerson and Cobb. They traded a whole bunch of their good guys, and we all remember Kiermaier standing in front of his locker in spring training, and he was like. I am 100% upset or confused or frustrated, whatever it was. And him and Archer, they were both very critical of what the Rays were doing, as was the entire Bay Area. And they ended up getting prospects back for that. And they kind of did that again this year, trading Snell and letting Morton walk. And in Snell trade, they brought four potential future pieces, including who Topkin calls a premium pitcher, Luis Patino, who is likely to pitch key innings this season. And that trade also freed up $39 million over the next three years. And they used that money that, to sign the starters Archer, Waka, and Rich Hill, as well as Colin McHugh. So, kind of thinking, let the big fish go and use the money that we saved to get maybe cheaper guys that can fill the role as a team instead of just one guy that's expensive. Well, when we build people up from a farm system like Snell, we, we get a great deal you know, for, for a very, 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 very low price. You've got these guys for five years before they're actually going to be a free agent. And, you know, you, you, what? The minimum wage in MLB is a little over half a million dollars. And then it's about year three or four, whatever, that you're actually able to do some minimal arbitration about your value, and, and it goes up. But the Rays have been very smart about that talent and using a, a strong farm system. We can talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but I do want to reflect back what you were saying about Kiermaier and Archer. I know in that article, I was looking here a little bit to see where they were a little bit more skeptical, and you were talking about Kiermaier looking confused a few years back. I, I think a lot of us were as well. I think I was shaking my head and scratching my head and saying, what, what? I see now that uh, what Kiermaier had a quote there in that article said, quote, it's a great time to be a Tampa Bay Ray. We have a lot of talent here at the major league level. We have a great farm system, and I just think there's going to be a lot of winning from now until further notice. That's that's optimistic. And then Archer uh, said, this is the best Rays baseball team I've ever been a part of. It's unique. It's rare. I don't think any other organization is as equipped for now and the future as this team. Wow. That sounds a lot better than I'm totally confused or 100% confused. I can take that as high praise, but I can also look at it and say, well, when Archer was here, they didn't have exactly the greatest of teams most of the time. Although they did have a couple of playoff teams when he was here in the very beginning, but that was at the end of their first stretch of playoff runs that they did. But you know, he does have the experience of seeing teams go to the playoffs and as does the rest of this team now because they all went to the playoffs last year. We'll see how that 
that all blends together. Yeah, and you know, a lot of us thought when Chris was gone, or we traded him, that it was the right thing to do, even if we didn't know who this Austin Metals guy and this Tyler Glass now guy was. You know, I said, well, it's it's time. We love Chris. You can have somebody you like, but after a while, it's like, Chris, we we really need to take you out of this. And then what? He's was he out all last year? Because I think injuries and such. So I am curious. I really hope that he's been able to strengthen up, that he's able to deliver on this. But I am also happy to hear a positive attitude from both he and Kiermaier on this team. Yeah, and like what Kiermaier said about the good farm system, the four major baseball writing outlets, you know, the Athletic, Baseball America, ESPN, and MLB.com, do you know what they all have in common about the race farm system? What's that? They all have them ranked as the consensus number one pick as the best farm systems in baseball. That's pretty outstanding, man. That's that's high praise. That is high praise, and hopefully that it does turn out to be true, although I'm a little bit skeptical because we've seen, you know, all these prospects work out sometimes. And then we've also seen them not work out because we all remember, you know, Richie Schaefer, Taylor Motter, Mikey Matuk, names like that who we thought were gonna be the start of really good years, but ultimately it, it didn't work out in the end. So we'll see. Hopefully it works this time. Uh, I'm, I'm with you in the same mindset. Here's a question, though. Who do you think will not be on this roster that we'd really like to see? Players either pushed down to minors or, you know, worse than that. What do, what, who do you, who's going down there right now that we may not see, at least not at the beginning of the season, that you would like to have on your team? I mean, I'd like to have seen Wander Franco up here at the start of the year, but from everything I've seen, he hasn't had the greatest of spring trainings. I mean, I think he barely even hit 200, if that. And unless I miss something, Shane McClanahan's not going to be on the opening day roster. Now, I could be wrong. I'm just looking at this article, but I, I don't see his name on here, and he's somebody I'd love to see on the opening day roster because I think he's a really solid reliever, and also he's the hometown kid. I mean, going to USF. I'd love to see him up here thriving with the, the big league club. I said, I'm always glad to see a hometown boy doing that. You know, <laughs> Cash is a hometown boy. Yeah. And he almost took him to the promised land. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get, let's talk about the, the opening day game. So here we are, April 1st coming, and we're going to be in Miami with the Marlins. It, we're, they talk about facing old friends in the game. Ryan Stanick was with them, who's now moved on. But uh, Jesus Aguilar is still with them. I think he, he's first base. I always liked Jesus. And you look at the, you look at that man when he comes up to play. He's huge. And you think, my gosh, if he gets hold of that ball, it is gone. And he, he did provide some real entertainment when he came up to the plate for us. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. I remember when we got him, we were, we were excited because, you know, he had some power and that was something that the Rays needed at the time. And he did come through with that power quite a few times, at least from what I remember here. Well, I'm happy for the Marlins that they got him. You know, they're a National League team, so I don't get too upset about what happens there, except we want to win. And that's just the nature of the game. But. Who you know? Who are the Marlins? Well, I think most people who are a Rays fan probably knows a lot about know a lot about the Marlins. But for those of you who haven't thought about them recently, guess what? They 
they've got two World Series under their belt. Wow. Yeah, and last year was actually the first time that they won a playoff series in their their team's history, and they did not go on to win the World Series in the same year. Now that's amazing. That was, but did they they didn't win the NL East itself, did they? No, I believe they were the wild card team. Uh, I believe the the Braves won the East. Yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, they they they, have, they are impressive. Uh, I love what Mattingly's done with them. I think Kim Ang, she's got <laughs> she's got some challenges. I would love to see a conversation, a tabletop conversation with her and Eric Neander because <laughs> these are two teams. One, they get a lot of grief. I don't think that they deserve, and I think in both cases they're teams who probably have a bit more restricted budget. The Marlins are an interesting team that, honestly, even though we do live in Florida, I don't really know much about them. I mean, I don't know really what their plan is at all. I mean, looking at their roster, it's, from what I can tell, pretty much the same as it was last year, and that was a playoff roster. And I want to see how they can perform over a full season, 162 games, and hopefully they don't have any you know, COVID incidents like they did last year. Oh, gosh. So I, I want to see what they can do over a full season. Yeah, that should be exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Jazz Chisholm, too, on second base because he's, he's supposed to really be a, a great performer for the Marlins. Yeah, we got him, and I know the pitcher, you like Sixto Sanchez, he's still there. <laughs> and Brian Anderson, not our Brian Anderson with the Rays. Now, he's not pulling double duty, at least I don't think. <laughs> he's still there. He's still at third. Even Corey Dickerson, he's still there as well. I forgot about Corey. Corey, and he's another one of those people. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're trading Corey Dickerson. Ah. Oh, well. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch him. I'm looking forward to that game, looking forward to that series. But it's I'll just say a couple last remarks, too, about the Marlins. It's been interesting to see since Jeter and that group of his owners took over some of the changes they've made to Marlins Park. There's a Marlins field. <laughs> anyway. I think it's still Marlins Park. Marlins Park. Anyway, with the, the changes that they've made. And first, I, I got to say, I, I looked at that home run statue out there with all the kind of green and blue and floral. And it was interesting. You know, there's lit up and everything else once somebody had a home run for the home team. But it was ugly, okay? It was ugly. <laughs> uh, but people the people put it in there said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's about Florida. It's about Miami. It's festive. It's, it's about the sun, the sand, and the beach. And then Jeter and the group come in and say, yeah, let's pick it up and put it outside. <laughs> It's, yeah, we, we won't put it in the dump pile, but just we won't have it in the stadium. So he, they made some other changes there at, at the Marlins as well. Uh, let's see. They've Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it, Brandon. They got rid of the Clevelander. Right. From, from what I've heard, or at least honestly from what I can tell, the Clevelander was probably the best thing that was going on inside Marlins Park for years. And that, just to be complete, the teams weren't exactly something to write home about. At least you go somewhere. You can go have a swim, have a drink. You can party and, and watch a baseball game if, if you want to. Because Lord knows a lot of times the on-field product wasn't that Ooh. enjoyable. Ooh. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Clevelander, that's exactly right. It's it's like a nightclub pool, you know, slash pool and everything else. Now, that's festive. That's Miami. So I thought I thought they should <laughs> they should keep that. The, the whole idea, though, I was always curious, like, 
why the heck are they called to Clevelander? And I think it's because it was part also of a restaurant that had been established in Miami some time ago by a couple of Ohioans from Cleveland who came down. But I thought, you know, maybe, maybe change the name. No, okay, because that's part of that organization. So the Clevelander, Clevelander is gone. And what other change? Oh, yeah, I think got rid of the fish tanks. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be still my heart. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think they had marlins in fish tanks. I mean, we got, you know, we got uh, stingrays in ours at the Tampa Bay. But anyway, I, I, what, I don't know if they're going to add any new curiosities, any new colors, any new. Uh, I don't I We'll see. But we're really going to see what they do this year with Kim Ang and and Mattingly and company and, and see if Jeter's organization can pull this thing together. I mean, he, I saw he was selling a house the other day. I think it was in New York. Uh, don't know if he needed to, to raise more money for the team, but okay. I'll quit picking on Jeter. I like picking on anything that has anything attached to New York. It's easy right now. Yeah, yeah. So except with with the Yankees, they're they're pretty good. Uh, and the Mets. Well, the Mets. I don't even consider that. When I think New York, I think Yankees and arrogance. I don't think Mets and Steve Cohen. <laughs> so okay, bring me back in here. Bring me back, man. So the Marlins game's coming up, and if that's not fun enough, so yeah. After Miami, what are they going to be doing? <laughs> they're going to go visit some other people in the Northeast, and it's actually going to be somebody in, in their own division. And we're talking about. The Boston Red Sox with Mr. Hyam Bloom and with that criminal, Mr. Alex Cora. Oh, you're making all sorts of enemies in the yeah. division today, aren't you? Yeah. On fire. That, that's, that's it. I'm sorry. You know, Alex served <laughs> his time, all 60 games of it. Uh, he and Mr. Hinch. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. So <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll give Yankee and Red Sox fans if you want to voice your displeasures to. Mark, you can follow him at the baseball biz on Twitter and at the baseball biz and voice your displeasure if you like. Tell him how you feel. Oh, we love the interaction. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And don't forget, you can find Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. So if you have any real complaints, send them to him, okay? <laughs> have any directive, directive statements towards Mark, Yankee and Red Sox fans, because he called Cora criminal and arrogant Yankees. Feel free to tie on me because I, I I love to watch it. <laughs> okay, okay, I know I get on the high horse, so time for me to step <laughs> down for just a little bit anyway. So that yeah, we we have all that. So we're going to be in Marlins, uh, and then we're going to be with our good friends at the Red Sox, and then we finally make it back home. Woof! I, I would have thought that they wouldn't necessarily had us on the road for two series before we had our opening day. Yeah, I mean. It's a heck of a climate change going from South Beach in early April to Boston in early April. So you go from possibly in the 80s to maybe in the 50s. I don't know about the weather. Maybe Boston fans can let you know when they they message you on Twitter. But the weird thing to me is, how come they start on a Thursday and then they get Sunday off? Why wouldn't they? Wouldn't it be better to maybe start on Friday? You know, you're kicking off your weekend with opening day of baseball, going through the weekend. Wouldn't that be better? Well, I'm with you on that wholeheartedly. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I always thought it was interesting when the Rays had Wednesday games at home, and uh, sometimes they'd have them during the day. So, okay, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But as far as opening day and such, yeah, that that just seems goofy starting on Thursday. Eh. 
But hey, you get to start your your opening day off beautifully on ESPN. You can watch the Yankees because it's it's never baseball season until the the men in pinstripes grace my TV screen with a rod on color commentary. Oh gosh, you know I I hate that. Okay, I'm just I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I gotta say that I hate that. I love when they have a post game interview or as guys are walking off the field after the you know the game's over and and they talk to them, but. When you see these guys with an earpiece and they're talking while the game's going on, it doesn't bother me so much during spring training. But when they do it during a regular live game, to me, it's just, you know, I would be distracted. If, if I'm an outfielder or, or in some other position, I'm supposed to be keeping my eye on that ball? No, that's just, that's just wrong. Well, there are pro- I mean, there are probably some other things they're distracted by standing out there in the outfield, you know. You probably don't get much action out there anyways. You're probably just looking around. Maybe they might get distracted by people in the stands very easily. I'll just put it at that. Okay. Oh, okay. They're probably worse things they're distracted by. Okay, I'm going to let that one fly then. Stay. <laughs> <laughs> woof, woof. All right, well, we've talked a little bit about what's coming up here at the Rays, and we're real excited about it with all you guys as well. And the odds on the Rays, what it's going to look like, there's all kinds of things being said out there. But I think, once again, the Rays are being undervalued. I think the Marlins are probably being undervalued as well. It seems like any team that's in Florida, outside, you know, outside of the Bucks bringing Brady down here, that they, they don't really give much credit to. So I'm looking forward to seeing what both of these teams achieve over the year, but certainly the Rays. And I feel like they can be there again in the World Series this year. I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. I think we've got a good team, and I'm really curious to see, again, what Waka, what Hill, and what Archer bring to that game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we have a really good team. I, I want to see how they evolve over the year. And what there's a lot of questions around them that I have, you know, who's going to step up with all the guys out, and are we going to be able to not rely on the long ball as much and play small ball, just to name a few. And just as easily as I can see this team making a, a deep playoff run, I can see them not making the playoffs. It's That just seems to be the raise away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a, a couple things. One, I, you brought up small ball, and we could do a whole show on that, but I think that is something that's going to become more integral. I think we're going to see need to see a team that can do more at the plate than what we were seeing last year. I mean – We've got a Rosarina there. Margot is really starting to look good. Kiermaier here he is in spring training with 400. We, we've got some stuff that really looks good. I mean, Brandon Lau can be good. We're going to see Austin Meadows. He'll be good. So I, I don't know. If, can they all be good consistently and make a large, huge impact? Hey, we will find out. We will find out. Okay, man. It's time for that special section of our show of the Raise Up Baseball Biz, and that is the X-Rays. There's plenty of those. (laughs) All right. And we take a look at the X-Rays. There's all kinds of guys that we've talked about before. You know, we we mentioned Stanek a moment ago. We talked a little bit about uh, Corey Dickerson. But, uh, heck, let's talk about the biggest biggest change this year, losing uh, Blake Snell to the, the Padres. I mean, that has been huge. But And he seems to be adapting to them. I think 
the Padres and he and the Dodgers are going to be very, very interesting to watch. Snell was reminiscing, if you will, about the Rays the other day. He was on the Chris Rose Rotation podcast. And let's see, what did he say? Uh, he, he still has a love for this place. You know, I mean, you've got to remember, Blake was not just a great pitcher and a Cy Young Award winner here. He came up through the farm system. And part of what he had to say on the Chris Rose rotation was, he said, I do catch myself saying we all the time as in Tampa, <laughs> which is weird. But I don't think I have to move on from that. I'm, a, I'm aware of where I'm at. I'm aware that I'm a Padre. I'm aware that this is my new team and this is the team they trade their guys to get me, and they really wanted me, and I'm aware of that. But I'm really big on what I feel. I like to sit in it and understand why I'm feeling that way. I'll probably miss being a Tampa Bay Ray forever, but that's because it was such a special place to me. I was glad to hear those words from Blake. I mean, it goes beyond a business transaction. He's built a home here. He's he's loved you know loved here and will continue to be so. And I th- I really was just glad to see that sentiment. And another thing that it does is it really it's relatable because how often do we as you no know, normal people do we start something new like and then you when you're there it's like man I kind of wish I could go back to the way I was. Because that was what you're familiar with. Because I felt that way my freshman year of high school. Because I spent so many years with all my friends in middle school. And we all went to separate high schools. That was something I wish we could go back to. But I also felt that way going into college. With all my friends from high school. We all went to different colleges for the most part. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there feel that way with their jobs. And maybe even moving towns and cities. So it really makes them feel relatable and shows that they're human. I think that's a good point. And, you know, having some sense of almost like a nostalgia, but more than that, because I think it's it's a connection as well. I'm glad to see, like I said, that the Snell still has that feeling about Tampa Bay. Because God knows, like I said, we'll, we'll have it for him. So, you know, maybe, maybe what we need to do, Brandon, is have anniversaries. As you were talking about in school and such, after so often you have a reunion, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe we need to have in the future Ray's reunion night. We, we bring back all, all the old players on a, a special night. Every, every two years we have some great benefit for some charity, worthwhile charity, and we have all these Rays come in that night. We make a big gala out of it. We have dance floors. We have giveaways and auctions and okay i'm going over the top again <laughs> it'd be like homecoming i keep thinking maybe you and i need to have a marketing company for this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh gosh well one thing we like to do on baseball biz is have fun and one of the, i do want to talk about one more x-ray and that's mr denard spam he was here just a short while but he was also from this area you're talking about uh, Shane McClanahan and others, and we were talking about Kevin Cash being from here, but Denard had been from this area, and we traded him almost as quick as we got him, which bothered me for a couple reasons. One, I enjoyed watching him play out there in outfield. I enjoyed 
the sense of having him as a veteran and as a leader to the team too, because we had lost Longoria, I think Charlotte uh, before that and some others. And I thought we need somebody who's a seasoned vet who can help mentor these players. So I was upset when he left. I'm always upset when we lose a lot of guests, <laughs> but I was glad to see he, when he left, I read one story that Denard had said something to, to uh, Eric Neander that he was open to coming back. And I, probably it was a little bit more than that. He was, he was, if they ever wanted him back in Tampa, he'd love to come back. I don't think he expected to be able to come back the way he did though. So they hired him, man. They, they, they just hired him a few months back here and they hired him as the Rays baseball operations heading up, I think that department. So I, I'm really glad to see that Denard is back with the Rays. I think that's a great move because you get somebody that not only knows baseball and loves baseball, but he also knows and loves this community. Like we said, this is his hometown. He went to high school here. And I think that could help give them you know, maybe an extra push having somebody that's from this area and knows what baseball means to the area. Maybe that could help them push them further along the way. I mean, you and I have been critical of some people who are just hedge managers and owners who sometimes we don't think have a, a true love for the game, who don't have that pumping in their heart. I think Steve Cohen is an exception to that uh, criticism of mine. He stands uh, high, but others don't. So having somebody like Denard Span, you know, I think that makes a difference. So we'll see how that, that plays out. I hope he enjoys that position, and I look forward to seeing what, if any, changes and actions that he takes. Now, talking about Tampa Bay players who are not on the field like Denard, there's another one I'd like to celebrate. I mean, here we are. It's coming up here on the close of March for Women's Month. Women who have made an impact in the game. But there's a woman I don't think enough people talk about, and it's Trisha Whitaker. She's with, what, Fox Sports. I guess that'll be Ballet Sports here in a, a few days, but she has been great as far as having conversations with the team. I, I love it because she's out there on the field between innings. She's out there after the game, before the game. And that lady does something. I mean, I've been in themselves. And the one thing you want to see is people having a good rapport, being able to have a true dialogue and also being a person who's smart and can listen. So she has a knowledge of the game. You know, I mean, not just knowledge, she loves it. She has built a rapport with the players and the coaches. I think a person like that can also bring out more in their interviews and conversations because people want to talk to them. I think Trisha Whitaker has certainly done that. Yeah, and she's one of the the great media people that we have here. I mean, I think we're spoiled in all of our pro sports with the media personnel. And like you said, she not only has a great professional relationship with the players, it's also a personal relationship. And that's what I think really separates our media coverage for our teams from most other cities is that they have a real connection with everybody. That's what makes them the best of the best. And honestly, I don't know how she's still here. I thought you know, maybe somebody would have scooped her up like ESPN or Fox Sports, MLB Network, and she'd be doing something like that. But she's still here. and. Thankfully, she is. I'm with you because she is a talent. And a lot of times you say, well, we're in a market. We're an individual market. And that lady can be a national player. And maybe maybe she just loves it here. Maybe 
But uh, if an opportunity to come for her, I hope she gets it. But I would miss her a great deal. You know, another thing about her, did you know she's an adjunct uh, professor for um, Indiana University? I actually did. I've seen her on Instagram and Twitter, always up there, at least during the off season, up there helping out the, the journalism kids. I call them kids, but they're my age. <laughs> you, you old man. You. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad to see her there, like I said, and I hopefully keep her here. You know, in her being a professor from uh, IU up there in Indiana, I was wondering if it was difficult for her to have conversations with Kevin Kiermaier. I remember that was during last year when they were, they were doing the Zoom interviews and her and Kiermaier were interviewing each other and she had a Bobby Knight. I don't remember if it was like a painting or a poster in the background while she was interviewing him. That that was great. That's like having a Bobby Bowden poster behind you while you're interviewing Zanino. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you imagine? So Mr. Kiermaier, Mr. Purdue Boilermaker, I mean, my gosh, if you, if you follow his uh, Twitter account, KK's, you know, through the season, and whether it be basketball, football, or whatever, he's constantly posting stuff about, you know, Purdue. So, yeah, Pur- and for those of you who may not know, Purdue and IU are not always the best of friends, a, a bit of a rivalry at best. But I think that Trisha Whitaker and KK have, have kept it pleasant and fun. All right. Anything else, Brandon? Not for me. All right, everybody. Well, it's been another exciting new raise a baseball biz and Brandon and I had really enjoyed spending this time with you going over what's happening with the Rays, looking forward to opening day and excited as can be can't wait to see to see if I can get seated for some of the games this season as the COVID-19 hopefully will be less of a problem in the future and everybody getting vaccinated so I hope everybody out there is doing great enjoying baseball as it begins and we're looking forward to spending the season once again with the Rays and a raise up baseball. Hey, Brandon, you got any last words for our audience out there, bud? Remember, all you Yankees and Red Sox fans out there, if you want to get in touch with Mark, it's at the Baseball Biz. And make sure to tag me at Sports Blitz Pod because I'd love to watch all the, all the things that you'd have to say for him. Oh, thank you very much, Brandon. Once again, I appreciate <laughs> all the love and concern. And yes, Yankees fans, okay, I like you all just a bit more than the the Red Sox, but you know, uh, okay. All right. Next. Okay, everybody. We look forward again to talking with you again real soon. Make sure you can find us also on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and a plethora of other podcast directories. Special thanks also to Scott Holmes for the music stumps and claps. <laughs>